Welcome to How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? My name is Rebecca, and this is the podcast where I interview my friends and peers to figure out, well, how the fuck they got to be so confident. In this episode, I chat with writer, comedian, actor, and producer Laura Chin. We talk about prioritizing your mental and emotional well-being, how failing is essential to success, figuring out how to find balance within yourself, and so much more. This is How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? with guest Laura Chin. Hey, buddy. Hi. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Um, okay, usually I start out with what does confidence mean to you? Um, some people say confidence is curiosity. Some people say confidence is um, uh, like being bold. Like some people say, you know, there's different people define it differently. How do you define confidence? I mean, somebody said... <clears throat> Somebody, not somebody, a lot of people have said this, but somebody said it to me recently where I really like heard it. And it's this, this old thing, this old saying that courage isn't the lack of fear. It's the, you know, it's fear, but then doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't mean that you're not scared. It means that you do it anyway. Because if you weren't scared, you wouldn't need courage. You would just be doing a thing that didn't scare you. I feel like confidence might be lack of fear. (laughs) Whereas like courage is like, okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to meet these new people. And like, it's scary, but I'm going to do it anyway. And if someone's truly confident, they don't have that pause. You know, they're just, they're just meeting people and it's comfortable and they're at a meeting and it's comfortable and they're doing their job and it's comfortable. Um, If you have that like deep inner confidence. So it's like Uh, being comfortable internally despite what's going on externally it just might be a lack of fear in like most situations you know most most human situations it it might just be that you have less fear than other people do do you consider yourself a confident person um I consider myself uh like really shy um, and then when I tell people that they're like, no, you're not. And I'm like, you're not allowed to tell someone if they're shy or not. <laughs> I consider myself really shy. Uh, but I also am, have been very social at times in my life. So it's this weird balance where I think I just come across snobby, um, or like off-putting to some people because I'm shy. Um, and so I've told, whenever I start like a new job or anything, I'm like, I'm very shy. I try to help it. I'm very shy. Like, I'm scared of you, not, I don't dislike you, I'm scared of you, you know, to try to, like, express that. Because I also think that I can be very bubbly and smiley and outgoing. And so then people are like, well, she's not shy, she must be a bitch. (laughs) And I'm like, no, I'm both. I'm I'm weirdly both, where I can, I, I like performing, you know, so, like, there's a certain level of confidence there to be able to be in front of a crowd. And it doesn't, it doesn't scare me as much as it might scare someone else, but it still does scare me at times. Um, and I like being social. I like talking to people. I like being out in the world, but I'm also shy. Such a long answer. So considering myself a confident person, I would say sometimes. Yeah. In certain situations, sometimes. Do you know your Enneagram number? What does that mean? Okay, great. I'm very excited to send you the quiz after this podcast. Love a quiz. It's a great, it's just a great thing to know. Um, it's just, you know, that Myers-Briggs personality test? Like, yes, I've heard of it, but I haven't taken it. No, no, no. So it's better than that. (laughs) 
and it's different. But it just basically teaches you about yourself and how you can communicate with other people and blah, 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 blah. Oh, um, great. Now it teaches you about who you are currently. Yeah, like who you are currently. And then, you know, if you know somebody else's number, it makes you, it helps you communicate with them better because you kind of understand where they're coming from and like their needs and wants. And essentially, if you just asked them, I guess you could probably get the same answer. But but faster, this is faster. You know, just do the homework on your own. Come in, know your number. We all got to say That's our great. numbers. <laughs> That'd be great if we all just wore... Wow. If we all just wore a number and we all understood what that number meant, that would be amazing. Because then you wouldn't take the, like, you wouldn't take certain things personally or... No, no like, one would ever have mistaken me for, like, a cunt and they would just be like, she's kind of shy sometimes. Yeah, you that's know? why like, I want to know your number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's great. Uh, were you a confident child? Yeah, I was really confident. Um, and my parents... <laughs> My parents were always afraid. <laughs> they, I think they were misunderstood about what confidence meant. They were always afraid I was going to get a big head, you know? So it was a lot about like downplaying my confidence when I was small, which isn't, don't do it. <laughs> my, my, I, I got the, same, do it. I got the yeah. same treatment. And I wondered, yes. I wondered if it was a geographical thing. Um, Where are you from? Florida. Right. Oh, well, I was actually born in LA. So oh, it doesn't got it. Didn't yeah, my, my, like, zero to nine, I was in Los Angeles. Oh, okay, so, okay. So this is just, our parents are both just wrong. Yeah, um, wrong. Yeah, Accept it. yeah. I, I, I think. I mean, I, I don't know how annoying I was, so maybe I was so annoying <laughs> that they were like, please be quiet, and no. that's fair. Um, but I think I was, I was a really outgoing, confident kid, and I really loved performing. Um, and, you know. So I think naturally confidence is in there, but then life happens and then you sort of clam up. Yeah. Uh, what age yeah. What age do you feel like your confidence was shaken? Like a what notable, is, a notable time. But, you know, preteen. My parents got divorced when I was not, or 10. My parents got divorced when I was 10. That was, that was earth shattering. And then when I was 12, like preteen, acne, that kind of stuff starts. Um, and that's a devastating, you don't, your skin looks like you've never had a pimple in your entire life. And I'm sure you've heard that before. Don't act like you haven't heard that before. I have a pimple patch on right now. You can't, it's clear. I can't see it, but your skin's gorgeous. So I'm going to, you, I'm going to explain something to you that you don't know, which is that when you break out, <laughs> it hurts your self-esteem. <laughs> I know I get the big cystic acne, like nodules, but wow, you have gorgeous skin. Oh, you can't tell that. Well, thank you. Um, um but yeah, so that was a that was a hit. So like middle you know. school, middle school age. Oh god, it's just it seems like from ten on, it, it's you're like walking down the street and light is punching you in the gut for every couple years. You're like you're like rebuilding your confidence, and the universe is like fuck you. Yeah, because <laughs> they want you to really be confident. You know, like yeah. you gotta earn it. You gotta really at the end of the day be like I I, I deeply believe in this. It's not just like the confidence that a five-year-old naturally has, um, yes. it's deeply earned. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. So you went to high school in Florida? So I went to high school in Florida. I, I dropped out of high school in 10th grade. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I dropped out of high school in 10th grade. I went to high school in Florida for like half of ninth grade. Yeah. And then I lived in Mexico for a little while. And then I, li and then I came back to Florida and then finished and then did half of 10th grade and then dropped out of 10th grade 
Um, and then went to like a community college when I was 16. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and wait, we gotta, we gotta unpack it. You went to Mexico by yourself or with your family or with other people? So I, my, yes, I went to Mexico with my family. Okay. I, my, I have an, or had an older brother who passed away who was, had brain cancer. Oh my God. So we did a lot of traveling with him, like to Mexico to, for him to get chemo and to all these different places. <laughs> he was getting chemo all over the place. I'm so so sorry, I would go Laura. with him and then, and then uh, eventually got so behind in school. Like I would catch up and then I would get behind again. And I also loved drinking alcohol and hated waking up in the morning. So it's not just that I was traveling with my brother. There's a lot of factors that were my own responsibility. And at a certain point I was like, I just can't go to school anymore. Yeah. I just can't bother. What did your parents, <laughs> did you, were you close with your parents? What did they think about that? I'm, I'm very close with my parents. They, <laughs> I'm very close with my parents, but they were very like, um, distracted, you know, with my brother and things like that. Mm. So I lived alone when I was 13. I lived alone. I lived by myself for a few months when I was 13, lived by myself when I was 14. So I, I it was a very untraditional upbringing mm. and my parents were very much like, um, uh, believed that, you know, children were adults in a weird way. Mm -hmm. That was part of their belief system. Yeah. And so I grew up really fast and then took care of myself really young, which I think also weirdly ends up earning you some confidence. I was going to ask, did, do you feel like quote, quote unquote, growing up quickly or moving on your own or making your own decisions earlier in life? How did that affect you then your confidence then? And, and does it play a factor in your confidence today? Um, yeah, all of that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, then I didn't think about it much because when you're a kid, you just do what's in front of you. You're never stopping and being like, wait, what am I doing? I'm living by myself. What is this? And right, you just, right. um, so then it was just life. But then as an adult, it's, you don't realize what you've learned from being in those circumstances until you're, you're 22 and you're with your 22 year old friend and she gets, you know, a scratch in her car and burst into tears and you're like, what the fuck? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, just call the mechanic and you'll get your car, you know, cause you just live life differently. But right. two, two year old who just got out of college, a scratch in their car is the end of the world, you know, and they don't know how to fix it. They don't know who to call. Um, so I definitely in that sense that when I moved to LA, I felt like I'd had a leg up cause I felt like I was like, 30 when I was 20, mm, you know? Yeah. So it's always felt like that in, uh, in a way that ended up being helpful. Once you unpack all the anger <laughs> towards your parents and everything else, then you can be like, Oh, okay. There was some help there, even though, uh, you know, it's still jarring, you know, to keep for people to hear about. Um, yeah. but, but I'm, I'm weirdly thankful for the whole experience. I was going to say, like, so then it's like, so then it's like, independence helps cultivate confidence like what would you call that you growing up quicker or earlier sooner it had I had parents that like really believed in me as a person mm. um and uh and had that sort of that mantra of like you can do anything you want like that's my parents mm -hmm. my dad hugely so is like you can do anything you want um and you can just, you know, use your mind to do anything you want. Like that kind of thing was in my household and in my upbringing. It, to, on the negative side of that is like a 13-year-old should not live alone. But the positive side of that is truly growing up with a belief that's like, you know, 
I can, I can handle whatever is put in front of me. I know I can handle it. Um, I always have been able to handle it. And I, I know that I always will be able to, you know? Yeah. I'm writing this down. Um, you're writing down. I can handle it. I know I have handled it. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. That's it. That's all I wrote down. <laughs> I hope you have a tattoo of it next time I see you. I know, right? <laughs> uh, knowing me, that's, I would not put that past me in the slightest. Um, oh, I love it. Uh, okay, so you go to community college. You're how old? 16 when you went to community yeah, college? Yeah, I went to St. Petersburg. It was called St. Petersburg Junior College. Uh, at the time and I was 16 and did you what did you study and how long were you there <laughs> I was there for <laughs> I was there for six years <laughs> hell yeah so I should be a doctor um I have a two-year degree from St. Petersburg Junior College and I, I literally was there for six years like I would take like two classes a semester just so I didn't fully succumb to the image of myself that I was, which is like an alcoholic with no future goals and like nothing going for her. And I was like, in order to combat that, I was like, I'm in college, you know? So I was always taking a couple classes. <laughs> Even when I moved out here at first, when I moved out here, I went to um, Santa Monica college uh, just cause I was like, gotta take a couple classes <laughs> every semester. <laughs> I'm studying. I'm fucking studying. Um, Wait, so- what's your two year degree in? It's associate's degree. Like, it's the two-year degree that you would then go on to oh, an actual got it. university. It's, like, general education, whatever those credits are that mean you can now go to UCLA right, or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, but it, it's supposed to take two years, yeah. So it took me six. And then I never got the degree because I, I finally just stopped taking classes. I was like, I don't know how many classes I've taken. Uh, and then when I did um, Boom Chicago, which is, like, a theater in Amsterdam, Amsterdam yeah. they were like, do you have a college degree? It really helps with the visa. Um, and I was like, I don't have a college degree. I'm so sorry. I'm a high school dropout. <laughs> like I have nothing to offer you. And then somebody, maybe my mom was like, you should find out how many credits you have. Cause you might have enough to get a degree. And so I called the school and they were like, yeah, you have 60 credits. <laughs> you can have your two year degree. And I was like, great. <laughs> so I got my two year degree and they presented it to boom Chicago. Like, does this help me get a visa? I don't know if it ultimately helped, but Hey, those six years went to good use. Oh, well, how was, okay. So 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I had to count on my fingers. So 16 to 22, you're still in Florida. No, so 16 to, no. So (laughs) this gets weirder. So I moved to LA when I was 15 to live with my sister. Um, And then I moved to LA when I was 17 to live with my dad. And then I, meaning I moved back. So I lived with my sister when I was 15. Then I moved back to Florida. Okay. Then I moved to LA when I was 17 and lived with my dad. Then I moved back to Florida. And then I moved to LA when I was 20. So I haven't lived in the same place for longer than two years uh, since I was 15. Okay. Okay. I've moved around since two years. How did moving affect, or did it affect your confidence in any way? And also, why did you move so much? That's an interesting, that's an interesting thing. Um... The moving effect, the first move majorly affected my confidence. I met a guy recently, my first move was when I was nine. And I met a guy recently who said he, his brother developed a stutter because they moved him across country when he was at a very sensitive age. And I was like, what? I had that option. Like I had the option of like developing a stutter, you know, like that's how traumatizing that is. I never considered that. And then I was like, okay, I got to really look at that move and how that affected me. Cause this guy 
apparently developed a stutter from it. Um, and that's a crazy thing when you're really young and you move. That can be culture shocking, especially from Los Angeles to Florida. Absolutely. Which is, you know, very different. Yeah. Okay. So then I just feel like if I moved that much, I would have, I would be like so comfortable doing things. I don't know. Like some people live in the same city their entire life. And like, I know, I know, I know. I, no, I don't know. I mean, I moved a lot because I was always trying, I was always trying to get here to LA. That was always the goal, but I would get, you know, I would get homesick. I'd miss my mom. I'd miss my friends. I'd miss the drama of Florida Mm -hmm. because it's very addicting that level of like, you know, who's pregnant and who has STDs and like, you want to know, you know? So I'd missed that and I would go home for that reason. So that's why I was moving back and forth then. But then since moving, since being in LA, since I was 20, I've moved every two years, just to different apartments and stuff, different neighborhoods. So it might just be now a compulsion. Do you still do that? Point. No. So I, my husband and I uh, bought a house two and a half years ago, which is like over two years. So I, I'm, I'm trying to break the um, cycle here and get stability under my feet. And uh, I was just saying to my husband at the beginning of quarantine, I was like, we should probably move. <laughs> like, we should get a different house. Um, and then we kind of were like revving each other up on moving somewhere. And then we both were like, what are we doing? Let's not move. So my goal is to stay here for at least five years and try to see how the other half lives. Because like, <laughs> like buying a house is a big commitment, for, especially for anybody, but especially someone who's used to moving every two years. I have no idea. There's a lot of – I have weird um, – like we all do, right? Like we have all these different personalities living inside of us. And one of my personalities is like this bohemian who travels a lot and, and moves all the time. And the other one is like a shut-in who never wants to move and doesn't like traveling and brings her own pillow anywhere she goes because she can't stand another person's pillow. And like, the, you know, those are both of me. Yeah. Um, so one wins over the other sometimes yeah so you always wanted to move to LA did you always want to pursue a career in the arts yeah yeah I wanted to since I was you know three or something I wanted to write and act I wanted to be a a songwriter I wanted to be a magician (laughs) so all these different things different points where I was like I really want to be in this world um and then when I moved out here when I was 20 I was like acting felt more accessible to me than writing because on account of my no education, you know, right. I was, that was not something I was thinking about. even though I loved it. And I wrote, I took a screen, I took a screenwriting class at St. Petersburg college as one of my credits. Of course. Um, of course. Um, and that was great. I took a creative writing class, I took a screenwriting class and I loved it, but I, I didn't have the confidence. I'm going to keep hitting this word again. Yeah. I feel like I'm doing like an improv opening, uh, confidence. Um, <laughs> I didn't have the confidence to pursue writing professionally. I did not think that. I thought that was above me in a way that I couldn't reach, but I loved performing. So I was like, uh, I'll settle to, I'll settle for being a famous actress. <laughs> that was my I'll big settle. settle. I'll settle for, I guess I'll be a famous actress. I guess actress. I'll be Julia Roberts since I don't want <laughs> to be a writer. Um, yeah. So when I first moved here, I was just pursuing acting professionally okay talking about writing to anybody who would listen it's interesting though to like hear you talking about all the classes that you took when you were (laughs) at no in a positive way that sounds like I wish I would have just done a couple classes every semester instead of just like because I did the opposite I graduated uh I got a four-year degree in three years because I hated college but I was like 
I I have to get a degree to satisfy my parents um, and mostly my uh, absentee father. Um, oh, I uh, love an absentee father. You they're do? My favorite kind. They're my favorite kind of, of father is the absentee kind. Oh, but you don't have an absentee father. Oh, no, I said I, I love an absentee oh, father. Oh, got it. But, um, no, but I, you know, my father wasn't, uh, he didn't live in our house. He was there over the phone with love and care and he paid child support. Um, and he's, he's always been very kind to me and very supportive, but he, I didn't have a father in my home from, from nine years old on. Yeah, so. I, d- I didn't either. Um, tricky. Yeah, it's tricky, but I, I, yeah, I hated college so much. I knew I had to get this degree for, for him. So I did it, but I would have rather done what you did and just sort of like did some classes here and there because I bet you kind of develop what you want to do like you didn't just out the gate do it or am I way off base there? well I tried really hard to not go into the arts because I was like so scared of it and I didn't have like like I did a pilot once in Orlando um that when I was living in Florida and everyone had their parents with them you know but I was like by myself <laughs> and the whole the whole cast had their mom and dad with them and the whole like two weeks that we were filming this pilot everyone was like is your mom coming or like I didn't have that and so I was like this is gonna be tricky not having that like momager or like dadager or whatever who can take carry you through Hollywood so I always felt it was going to be a hurdle, you know, or how do I get into it? Or it was scary. So I was like, someone give me anything else that I can do. And so when I went to college, I took a lot of like tests, you know, like I I took a career in life planning class and they test the shit out of you. Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And every test I took, the answer would be like advertising, you know, like it would be like the most creative field that they have in their, on their Scantron sheet (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) It would just keep coming up advertising. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to go to LA and see what happens. Um, but I tried. I tried not to do the the Hollywood thing. Um, but I did kind of always know that's what I wanted to do. So then you get here, you pursue acting, and then what happens? Like, what's what's the sort of timeline? Um, well, I really wanted to be Julia Roberts fast. Um, no. <laughs> I was Real like, quick. six months in, I was like, this is taking a while. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, six months in. Six months in. No, so I moved to LA. What did I do? I gave myself all these goals. Like, I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm going to get an agent within a year, you know, because I, something I learned in Tampa actually is that people tell you these lies about how hard everything is. And they love to tell you, you know, and they love to say things like, oh, it's impossible to get a, an agent in Hollywood or like it's going to take you three years to get an agent they love to give you these like these statements that aren't true um that they've absorbed that they want you to absorb and in Tampa I had there was I went to this playhouse this very prestigious playhouse that was really hard to get into um and everybody told me don't audition there it's a waste of time it's all like (laughs) it's all nepotism (laughs) this is a Tampa playhouse but they're like, they're not going to let you in. You have to know somebody. You have to, whatever, understudy, all this stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to go audition. And I went and auditioned and I got in a play and we did a production of Steel Magnolias. And I was, um, oh my God, I just forgot her name. Anel, I think. And uh, and I won an award. They had like this award ceremony and they called me. They go, you're nominated for this award for this playhouse in Tampa. And I was like, there's no fucking way I'm winning that award. I can't even believe I got in the play. So I didn't go to the award show. <laughs> and then they called me like, you won. I was like, oh, Jesus. So that's a, this very small stakesy situation though. 
that I learned to ignore all of that, all of those rules and all those things that are like, you're never going to get in or it's really hard or you got to wait this long. Or So when I moved to LA, I was just very much like, I'm going to get an agent within a year, you know, and I got an agent in like three months, you know, and then I'm going to book a job and get in the union within a year. And I did. And I just kept like pushing myself in that way. Um, and just deciding it was going to happen and like moving forward. Um, but I didn't like it very much. Like ultimately I didn't like the process of auditioning and, and only getting to act, you know, a couple times a year. And, and, and also when I was on set, I was like crying. I was always like, my friend exploded. And after she was raped and like, I was always talking to the cops about some sad thing. And that was like primarily the acting jobs I was getting. So even when my like small boutique agency that I got, that I got with, even when they would call me and tell me I booked the job, I was like, um, Oh, <laughs> you know, like I wasn't like, yay. Like, like, oh, I now like, I have to wake up early. And right. <laughs> and it, it was, it was just that it was like, it, it didn't, I wasn't experiencing joy with it, you mm. know, like, cause I wasn't doing comedy yet. And, um, and so I was just going to sets and crying a lot and like, um, and, uh, and it was, it was few and far between, right? Like, I think that would have been a different story if I was like, if I had like booked a show where I was working all the time, or if I got a job that was like, that meant my life was moving in this other direction very clearly, but it was like jobs here and there and guest stars and crying. And I just wasn't loving it. Um, and so that's when I started like really trying to look into writing more, taking it more seriously. Cause I was like, if this is the life of an actor, I don't. Somebody actually said to me, um, you should write down what you want your life to look like. Don't think about like big, broad career things, but just write down like, okay, I want to wake up at the same time every day and go to the same place and be with people that are funny and kind and nice and eat lunch and come home and know that I belong and I'm needed and valued in the world um, and make money every year and know that I'm going to make money every year, you know? And those are things that I was writing down. Um, and none of them had anything to do with acting ultimately. It was like, I want to be creative. I like to be in this industry. You know, I'm, I, I like being here. I like being around it. I love being on set. Like the world is, is amazing. And I've always liked storytelling, but I started to write down things that were just like specifically what I wanted to do with my body every day. I wanted a gym membership, you know, and I wanted like to know when I had time to work out and I wanted to know just what my life was going to be in a couple of years. And none of those things had anything to do with acting. So when I made that list, I was like, okay, I got to like think about something else because if my list had been, all I want to do is act. I don't care when, I don't care how much money I make. I don't care what country I live in. I don't care about anything else. I just want to perform. I don't need to ever be wealthy. I don't need to ever have, you know, retirement or whatever. Like if that had been my list, which it is for some people, then that's great. You know, but my list was not, that like freewheeling and bohemian my list was more like I need to have some fucking structure mm -hmm. um and then I started thinking about television writing because people that were I was describing this list to they were like it sounds like uh tv writing <laughs> and I was like go on um yeah so I started learning more about that world that's so and and I love that writing down, like, you know, checking in with yourself by writing down like what you want with your life because that can also change. And, yeah, you know, it's important to do that check-in because what, at least for me, what I want now is pretty different than even what I 
I shouldn't say want. What I prioritize now is right. even even di- it's different than even you know truly two months ago. So it's like you know doing a check in however you want to check in with yourself is super important because we evolve as people and we grow and we change and our wants change and all of that all of that stuff. Um, yeah, and I think it just yeah that started to come out at me is like I don't I'm not in love with this thing you know and some people are some people love auditioning and they love you know they love going to bulgaria for a month to shoot a low budget film and they love the whole thing and i was like i don't want to fucking go to bulgaria you know like even in you know the version where i'm working all the time i was like i don't know if that's for me you know um so yeah so that brought me more towards writing i do find it interesting that you were like going back to when you were mentioning the playhouse in tampa that you Mm -hmm. were like people were telling you like you can't, there's no point in auditioning for this, blah, 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 blah. But you still did it anyway. What can you attribute that like grit to? I don't know. Uh, something about, I just was like, well, who, I'll just try. I don't know. I was like, I'm just going to try. Um, I, I think that's like when you, especially when you move to LA, like how many people tell you like, oh, you could never do this. You could never do that. It takes forever. It's like, it's just so many people tell you this and like, it doesn't happen. It it didn't for someone, you know, like there are movies, (laughs) there are TV shows. There is Julia Roberts. I know. Like there is Julia Roberts. Like I'm like working, I'm just learning more about the feature world and stuff. Like people are so quick to tell you like, Oh, it's possible to get movies made. And you're like, well, I've seen one. (laughs) So like someone's getting them made. And like someone showed up at that Tampa playhouse and auditioned. Like it didn't just like spawn from the earth with a group of 20 actors that like were all accepted in the theater. Like, I don't know. Those things just aren't true. Um, they're not true for everyone so why are if they're not true for julia roberts then why are they true for you you know like i don't know um and and so i just always was like "Uh, might as well try yeah that's so Uh, important though so yeah so who okay so then you're like i'm gonna do writing did you go into because i can't now i can't remember did you do groundlings and ucb or just ucb just ucb oh okay and did that happen before you started sort of your TV writing journey or after? No. So writing really happened. Um, I was, I didn't do Groundlings, um, but I was doing a show at Groundlings. Um, and uh, in at the, after the show, a friend of mine was a Groundling. He wrote the show and I was in it with him and some people that weren't Groundlings. Like he put together a show somehow. I thought you had to be a Groundling to perform there, but I was there. And uh, afterward, we were at, God, I wish I could remember the name of the restaurant. The Dark Room? that restaurant on Melrose that everybody would go to after Groundlings? Dark, the Dark Room. Not the Dark Room. It's the really? restaurant. The oh. Um, restaurant with the glass windows. Oh, God. The, it's not the Village Idiot, is it? It's not. It's, is it the Village Idiot? Yes, it must be. That must be it. On Melrose. I think that's what it is. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. They didn't, like, do the thing in my brain where I was like, Village Idiot, of course. It's Village something or Idiot something. I think it is Village Idiot. It's something. But I was there after the show, and my friend who had put this show on, he introduced me to his friend who was a feature writer. And he was like, he just wrote this movie called Warrior from Lionsgate, and, like, it's getting made soon and blah, blah. And he introduced me to this feature writer. And I didn't really know many writers. So I just gushed. I was like, I've always wanted to be a writer. And, you know, 
Um, I was like drunk. I'm like, I love writing. And this guy <laughs> was a teacher at university uh, in Georgia. So he was like a teacher and he loved teaching. And so he was like, I've always, I miss teaching now that I'm in LA. I'm a screenwriter now, but I miss teaching. And if you ever want to know anything about writing, just email me. And I think he thought I was like going to go away. You know, I think he was like, ah, nice young girl. I was like 20. <laughs> um, but I didn't go away and I forced him to be my mentor. Um, no, he's actually one of these people that like is abs absurdly generous with his time and, and um, his talents, like incredibly generous. So he, I would email him and he would give me like writing assignments, like, like college writing assignments that he was teaching at university, like, um, like, um, write from the first, write a journal entry from the perspective of one of the Columbine killers three days leading up to the shooting, you know, like these crazy assignments. And I would do them. And I, and every, and he was like, he's, we still my mentor. And he's like, I can't believe you kept doing them. <laughs> never went away. I would do every assignment. I would send it back in. And, um, cause I was so thrilled. And I was, he was like, go buy JD Salinger's nine lives. I was reading these things I'd never read. I was learning, you know? Um, and then after I did that, you know, for like a year, I wrote a really bad uh, short film, if you can call it that. I don't know. I wrote something in script format um, and sent it to him. And then he sat me down and was like, woof. Um, no, he was really, he was really kind, but also like, you have no idea what you're doing. Um, but he was like, I like your dialogue and that kind of thing, you know, like enough, enough encouragement. And then from there, he uh, just started giving me like tips and pointers and things and, um, and taking some of his like confidence building advice, um, confidence. I then started reading television pilots and watching shows and, and, um, and teaching myself more about TV format. And I spent a couple of years just like with a big whiteboard on the floor and I would watch an episode of a sitcom and I would write down the whole episode on a whiteboard. I would board out the episode. I didn't, really, I didn't know this is what they were doing in writer's rooms. I was just doing it because it helped me wrap my mind around it. And I, would, I did this for all day, for years. Um, wow. And then I'd take a break to go like cry about my friend being blown up in front of the cops or whatever. And then I come back to my, or I was waitressing or whatever, but then I come back to my board. And um, yeah, and I did that for a long time. And then I started to understand TV structure. And then I wrote a bunch of really bad pilots. Okay, that that's incredible. So you wrote down like a plot, b plot for like all of these different shows. You like I didn't know I didn't know what those were. I didn't yeah. know there was a, b, and c. I didn't yeah. know that, so I didn't know anything. So I figured out a, b, and c from watching. I would watch Thirty Rock, and I'd be like, okay, Liz Lemon. I'd write down the scene. Liz Lemon says to Jack Donaghy that she's thinking of going to buy socks. Yeah. And then the next scene, Tracy says something that doesn't have anything to do with socks. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I started to see like, oh, because Tracy Morgan is on a different story than she is. Like, it truly was like, I had watched so much TV my whole life, but you don't know that. Right. You're not paying attention to that, especially like the good shows. Yeah, the good stuff. You don't. Woven and beautifully, you know, um, disguised in the storytelling. So I just started to write it down. And then I was like, wait, okay, so there's three different stories here. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then I would talk to people about it and they'd be like, yeah, there's, there's three different stories. Um, you moron. Um, but yeah, so I, I kept, I was doing that for a long time. And then I started writing spec episodes of shows and oh. that I started learning more through that process too. Okay. So then where did you get, did you start as like a staff writer somewhere or were you like, yeah, a... I did. I was, um, I, I was, at, I was in Amsterdam. I was doing boom Chicago mm -hmm. and, um, in, in Amsterdam, I had a lot of time to write in the morning because 
we would we would work from like noon we anyway we'd be rehearsing all day writing the shows and then performing in the shows at night but I wake up really early and I'd write before rehearsal and so I got a lot of writing done in Amsterdam and then when I was there I sent my uh I sent after writing like seven pilots and a bunch of spec episodes of different existing shows I wrote a couple pilots that I was like okay I felt good about you know and I got notes from my mentor I got notes from other writers I knew and I got them in shape where I was like okay I feel like this is like as good as it gets for me right now. Yeah. Um, and with those, I sent them to everyone I know. And I was like, Dude, could you send them to an agent? Could you get, you know, can someone help me? Because um, at the time I had fired my acting agents because um, I just wasn't, you know, in a place where I wanted to be doing auditioning and doing that anymore. And I didn't have any representation. And I just was like, I got to do this writing thing. And then um, I got an email from uh, CAA, <laughs> from CAA. And I was like, it's, it was like Susie Fox at CAA.com, who's my now agent, who's not there anymore, but where she's still my agent. And, uh, and I looked at it and I was like, CAA.com. And I got people into the room to be like, I was like, do you think that, <laughs> I was like, do you think that, because I had been to that building to watch like movies, screenings and stuff. Right. And I was like, this is crazy. Um, and, I, and when I was home, I flew back to LA and I met with her. Um, and she was, yeah, she was like, I want to work with you. And I was just, it was just wild. And then I started staffing. Did you ever figure out who, how she got it? How she got your. Yeah. 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 I figured a friend of mine, it was a friend of mine that I had met, um, waitressing that I had met waitressing. He was a feature writer, very successful dude. And, um, yeah. And, and I had been sharing stuff with him too along the way. And like, um, yeah, he like, he really believed in the pilots. He read them, you know, and he really believed in them. And so he sent this, this email to CA, which was his agency, just being like, this is a young writer and I, I believe in her, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it just, it worked out. Did you ever feel like, oh, man, I have so many questions. I'm writing them down as I speak because I have so many, I'm going to forget them. Did you, did you ever feel like, because I know some people want to send their scripts out to friends or their resume or whatever, their real and it's like a scary thing to yeah. send your stuff out or to like, quote unquote, ask for a favor, even though you're technically, because you have the talent, you're like, you're giving them the favor. They're, you're giving them the gift of you and your art. But sometimes it's hard to see it that way. And it's easier to I see mean, it as like, I'm putting, I'm a burden. I'm putting this person out by asking them to send my stuff. Did you ever feel that way or no? Yeah, because like the truth of it is like, it is a favor. Yeah. <laughs> In the beginning, it's a major favor yeah. because chances are you're not that good at it. Mm-hmm. And like, because it's so hard. Writing is so hard that the, 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 the scales are astronomically tipped to the side of, not that you're not talented, but just that you have a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. That's just astronomically tipped towards that. So when, when, when someone's sending me a script, if it's someone I really care about, I want to help them and it, I will spend days, full-time hours, days helping someone with a script. That like, if I was getting paid to work on a show, it would be, you know, like a salary, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and I'm helping someone because I want to help them. But it is like a massive ask. And I didn't know that at the time, thankfully. Oh, you just <laughs> didn't realize that it was a, it was a know. big ask. Oh, I okay. didn't know what I was asking. I didn't know what my writing mentor was even doing for me. I didn't realize how hard it is to help someone, to teach someone, um, I didn't know. So, so I was just naively being like, here you go. Thanks. <laughs> like, you know, and it, we were friends too. So it wasn't like, it was like, 
it's not like I never did anything for him. Like I was, you know, we would, I, he would talk to me and I would talk, you know, listen about his life and stuff. It wasn't like I was just being like, do me a favor, do me another favor, even though that is kind of what it was like. Um, yeah, but uh, it takes like, I mean, there's something to that though, right? Like uh, that naivete of just like throwing caution to the wind and like asking for help or just like doing the thing. Yeah, I, I think my advice to somebody would be like, always ask for help. But like, be respectful of what it actually is yeah. because you're asking for a ton. You're asking for these people who make, you know, at least hundreds of dollars an hour. You're asking them to dedicate hours and hours and hours and hours of free labor to you. Um, and that's just, I, I've, you know, it's just very rare that I've read a script and I'm like, this needs nothing. And if usually it's a working writer that's sending me the script yeah. and being like, and, you know, they're like, give me a few thoughts. And you're like, here are a few thoughts, you know? But if someone's new, it's like, it's just hard, you know? Like, it's just not an easy uh, art form to pick up. Right. Uh, so chances are, they need help, just like I still need help and needed help back then. Yeah. Um, and so it is a big ask, but always ask. But then, like, send someone flowers, you know? Like, do something for them that makes them acknowledge what you've asked them to do. I think that's my personal thing is, like, be appreciative and if you don't have any money then just send them a really nice email about how much it means you know mm -hmm. um but but i think like expressing that i think is helpful especially because you're going to ask them again in a couple months <laughs> so you might as well be grateful um for what they've you know donated to you um and and you know it's also super rewarding to help someone you know especially if they then go on to do something cool or great or you know it's wonderful to feel like, oh, I got to help this person. Um, yeah. So it's not like don't ask, but it is It is big. It's a big favor for, yeah. for, in, in most cases. Especially like a mentorship or a punch, a script punch up or something like that versus just like if someone was like, can you forward this on to? Like yeah, that's that, That's fine. And in and, and, and that I'm, I'm fine with because like, you know, they'll just read it or not. My, you know, managers, they'll just read it. I don't, that doesn't, that seems fine. Um, it, it's the like, the thing that usually gets a manager agent to read, though, is the email that's like, I love this writer, right. you know, the thing I love this writer, their script is amazing. They've worked so hard right. that, you know, that's the thing that makes a manager agent want to read, right. you know. Yeah. Um, so you can forward stuff along all day. I don't know whatever happens to it. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, this is for you now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so true. But, I, but I do think that like. Yeah, I mean, the the other stuff, like if, if you can get someone to mentor you and I know with women, it's like women need more women mentors. Um, so I'm always, I'm, I, because I've been helped so much typically by gentlemen, um, I like to pay that forward, you know, yeah. when I can, and I like to be supportive, um, and help people as much as I can. Um, but it is a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And yeah. you're, you going back, I guess throughout your lifetime, but from what you just said, like that your time in Amsterdam, you were writing a lot. You were doing a lot of research. You were figuring things out for yourself. You were had that whiteboard on the ground and you're writing out what was going on in the stories. How did you have the like perseverance and the the grit? Like I know some people like need to set a deadline for themselves to get this stuff done. Cause like technically you're doing all this stuff for you. You're not, there's, you don't have an employer at this time that like set a deadline for you to do the thing. You're just doing yeah. it to learn and get better and know what you're doing. Did that come naturally to you or did you have to sort of set a schedule and stick to it? 
No, no, there was never really a schedule. I love writing so much. Um, I love it so much. And I've done so much writing for free. And it never has felt that way. Um, similar to doing improv, right? I, I, I personally never felt like, I can't believe I'm not getting paid for this. Mm. You know, if I got paid for doing improv, I'd be like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. Because <laughs> it's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun. It's like playing you know, Barbies with your friends and then your parents come in and hand you $10 and you're like, why? You're like, you play Barbies all day. You're like, sweet. Um, not to say the performer shouldn't get paid. I'm not saying I stand on that platform, but I'm just saying like, I love, I love improv, you know, yeah. um, in the same way that I love writing. I just love it. So it's, and, I, and I'm not, I don't like the thing where people are like, if you don't have to write every day, then you're not a writer. I don't like that. Sometimes I don't write for months. Yeah. I don't think about it at all. <laughs> it's fine. You know, it doesn't mean that I'm not a person who likes writing. Um, I, I truly do love it though. And so, um, and the more I got the tools about structure and the more I got storytelling tools that I was able to do it and able to like make something that made sense to me and other people, um, the more addicted I got, you know, the more I was like, just, I gotta just do this. Yeah. Um, so I really just love it. And yeah. That's not to say that, you know, whatever anybody's relationship with it is their relationship with it. But if you love it, it makes it a lot easier because yeah. it is challenging as fuck. So and if you love it, any it's great. Yeah. I mean, any career in the arts, there's not like a designated path like there might be in no. other, you know, right. other professions. So it's like you kind of have to love this thing. You kind of have to love it. Or yeah. it's not, you're not going to be able to sustain it. Um Yeah. Did you experience anything in your adult life that like knocked your confidence? Right now I'm thinking of like in the professional realm, but it doesn't have to be. It could be on a personal level, a friendship level. Um, no, you know, like I think that it's, you know, every year in, in this, in this world, in this professional world in California and stuff, it, things have gotten better every year, you know, as opposed to like childhood where it feels like things get like crazier and crazier every year, more bad news, more bad news. It's felt like the opposite here. It's felt like the the big struggles and challenges felt like they were in the beginning. And then every year has felt um, smoother. And, and with writing, especially when I started writing professionally, it felt like this is the this makes so much sense to me in every way. And everything that I felt like didn't make sense to me when I was in that process of like auditioning and guest stars and stuff, everything, it just felt like I was like, this is not, I'm not in my skin. This isn't my life, whatever. Writing has felt like um, the feeling of being like accepted into a world and also um, belonging, like feeling like this is it. And that's even just like in a writer's room with the people I met, you know, cause I didn't go to college. So I, I never was around people like that, you know? And so suddenly in a writer's room, you're with these people who are just astronomically smart and like mind bogglingly funny, you know? And you're like, oh my God. Like I just felt so um, enamored with everybody immediately. And I felt that way on every show. Um, so it's hard. It's, it's hard and challenging and the ego gets, you know, bruised and stuff, but it hasn't been like devastating. I think devastating has occurred. So it was more like, in your childhood is when you kind of felt the confidence struggles or like more of the yeah if anything it's been like a building you know it's been like you're born I was like I was confident little kid and then it gets shredded and then you're building it back up (laughs) so everything since then has been a rebuilding of just you know wanting to be a five-year-old again who's like 
I'm, I'm doing something because I want to. Well, it you know? sounds like you really found your place and your purpose and like where you're supposed to be and like the trajectory that you feel comfortable in and like the I don't know it just sounds like you're very grounded as well um it it's it's felt it's felt good yeah like it's felt good and and not not that it hasn't I mean we just our show just got you know canceled like it's not like things haven't happened that have been hard but um I don't know and a lot of it has to do with self-help though like on a deeper level a lot of it has to do with self-help and exploring me and figuring out how to maintain balance when things are rocky, right? So like if I sat and told you every event of the past 14 years, you might be like, oh my God, <laughs> those were some major ups and downs. But because I've learned uh, more about myself and released so much fear and pain and anger and all this stuff that's like, that keeps you on that sort of rocky path. Um, I've, the, the life has felt smoother whether or not it actually is I don't know how do you um, what do you yeah. attribute this like finding balance self-help going inward oh God, what do you attribute all that the to things I mean we my husband we have a room in our house that's just like crystals and yoga mats like yeah. we okay. just meditation cushions and like so you um, meditate. all of it everything that you can think of that seems like it could help you feel better in any way my husband and I have done it We've driven to that city. We've talked to that person. <laughs> We've done that thing. There's nothing that we won't do um, in terms of, of mental well-being, in terms of emotional mental well-being. It, to me, is the absolute most important thing. And it has helped me with this career more than anything, more than any screenwriting book, more than any anything. Uh, mental and emotional stability uh, has helped me more than anything. And it's, like, my biggest advice for anyone. So... <laughs> Of all the things you've done for your mental, and I know we're like wrapping it up, but for all the things that you've done for self-help and your mental and emotional stability and well-being, are there a few that stand out that like you would recommend to people who are listening to this? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what's the like, I've seen a lot of like healers who do different things. Um, and I've done hypnotherapy, which has been amazing. If you go to the right hypnotherapist, I know it can be tricky. Um, if not, um, that's been wonderful for like digging up old stuff and getting to look at it. Um, EMDR is amazing. Um, NET, which is neuroemotional technique, which is a guy that I go to in Pasadena. He does. That's amazing. It's like using, pulling emotions out of the body. Wait, what's that one just, called? Like, NET, okay. neuroemotional technique. Um, uh, Myofascial release is amazing. There's a woman in Glendale that I go to for that. <laughs> um, I literally do every everything. What like started you on that journey, that this like um, self-help journey? A lot of things like skin issues, digestive issues, and then um, a pain. I had this pain in my back. Oh, wow. Physical in my tailbone, this crazy pain that was, I just couldn't ignore it because I couldn't sit in a writer's room without a donut. So I was 20. Five and I had a don't I was carrying a donut into work I was working with like 50 year old men who were just sitting there like with no pain <laughs> and I was 25 and had been a yoga teacher and had to carry a donut around so I was like what's going on um and I tried all the things and then you know I went to a doctor and he x-rayed me he was like there's nothing wrong with your tailbone so he was like we can inject you and numb your sort of groinal area 
forever. Or uh, we can prescribe you Vicodin. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to start taking Vicodin. I was like, how long do I have to take Vicodin for? He's like, In- indefinitely. Oh, yeah, I know. That's um, blowing my mind. That Oh, that. yeah, because I was 20. I was like 25. I was like, oh, I think I'll be a, addicted to Vicodin then if I did Absolutely. that. You know, like, what? Um, so I didn't do that, thankfully. And I went to chiropractors. I went to a physical therapist who used to stick her finger in my vet and try to move my tailbone. True story. Um, and then I went to a woman. It did not help. Okay, I mean, sorry. it felt good. It was yeah, nice yeah. to have like my insurance paying for a woman to finger me. Um, but it, <laughs> I'm taking a note <laughs> on that one right now. <laughs> Get that contact didn't help at all. later. I know. Who knew? Um, and, but then I went to a woman who um, her whole thing was like releasing painful emotions from the body. And I went to her and I sat across from her and she just said all these things about me that were true ages the things that happened and the, the year my brother got sick things crazy i was like this woman knew everything about me um and uh and i just started crying and i would go to this woman and i would cry hysterically for two and a half hours <laughs> truly scream crying for two and a half hours for about three months and then my tailbone went away pain went away never went, never came back so then i was like Kool-Aid, I have drank you and I will continue to drink you. <laughs> yeah, this was like a healer a healer type of person? Yeah, yeah. She's Does a healer, Patty know this like. person? Yeah, Patty goes to her. Okay, yeah, because she talked a little bit about it when I interviewed her the other day. Yeah. She's like, Laura, Laura will tell you all about her. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I these, these people, there are people out in the world that can do things that are like, you know, that a, that a lover of, of science and research and study might not agree with. Um, but I myself personally have experienced and people that I've sent them to have experienced massive changes and growth and, um, and healing, physical healing. I mean, that to me was the thing where I was like, I can't argue with, with this, uh, this crippling tailbone pain going away. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to read. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to recap Laura's tips for confidence for everybody's listening, uh, and all of my notes that I've written down, please. Correct me if I'm wrong for any of these. I don't want to change the intent of anything that you've said. So absolutely correct me if I'm wrong for any of these. Um, Okay. Courage. Lack of fear. Fear, but doing it anyway. Surround yourself with people who believe in you. Independence. Belief that you can handle it. Ignore the naysayers. Keep moving forward. Check in with what actually brings you joy. Write down what you want to do with your mind and body. Make a list Make a list to reflect on what you want. Discover your priorities. Just try. Uh, remember the possibilities. Find a mentor and a supportive community. Always ask for help, but realize the sacrifice that that takes and express your appreciation. Find what you love and where you belong. Figure out how to find balance. Learn about yourself. Um meditate therapy emdr net myofascial release (laughs) healer uh realize the pain and fear and figure out a way to let it go uh cultivate mental and emotional stability and remember the mental physical connection and that one was kind of based on the fact that your pain relieved itself once you dealt with you sort of the mental yeah Mm -hmm. is there anything you want to change or add you know, I feel like failure is something that people need to do more and be more comfortable with. Yeah. 
I feel like failure is like, is really the key to, I've been listening to Brené Brown a lot and like, yeah. we gotta just start failing, man. We gotta let go of this weird lie that we were told growing up <laughs> that we need to get straight A's and it's all bullshit. And people just need to fail all the time and feel it and get back up again. That's a big, a big part of the, I think, yeah. success anyway, whether yeah. or not it's confidence building, I don't know, but I think, it, I think it's probably both. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for lending me your time for this hour. Um, I could talk to you for ages and ages and ages. You are so full of wisdom. And, oh, good. Uh, good. Yeah. So it was just such a treat <laughs> and a treasure. And I appreciate you very much. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Get So Confident? I'd love to hear from listeners about things that have helped you build your confidence, whether that's a mantra, a routine, maybe a favorite book or an event that you went through, leave it in the review section. Or if you have a question regarding confidence that you'd love to hear discussed on this podcast, you can leave that in the review section as well and I'll check it out. Thanks again.